Sports betting season is in full force. You need a sportsbook with integrity and longevity like BetUS. You may already know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sportsbook industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. That is BetUS.com. They have loads of bonuses. Join now or call 800-69-BETUS. That is 800-MY-BETUS. And you will receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using the bonus code 5. That's the word 5, F-I-V-E. They also have re-up and referral bonuses as well. Follow my lead and open an account with BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS. This show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a revolutionary new daily fantasy game whereby you pick two, three, or four players to go over or under their fantasy point projections, and if you're correct, you win. Pick two or more players from the same sport or league, or go cross leagues for your parlay. Use the promo code 5, that's F-I-V-E, 5, and receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. But first, sign up at prizepicks.com to start winning today. This show is brought to you by Lewis Peters State Farm, agency representing the number one auto and home insurer in the United States for more than 60 years, combined experience in the insurance industry. Local agents that understand South Florida's unique market, you have access to them 24-7, walk in, call in, click in through lewispeters.com. You can find them online on social media at Peters, or you can call at 305-275-5585. Remember, lewispeters.com. Welcome to Three Yards Per Caddy, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to Three Yards for Carry. Another victorious Three Yards for Carry. It's another victory Monday. Six of them in a row. That's a that's a pretty healthy win streak. Simon Clancy is here. Chris Kaufman is here, and as always, we are brought to you by Manscaped. It's almost Christmas, and you know what that means. Yeah, uh, you got to shave your balls. Use Five RSN, twenty percent off your order. Why wouldn't you use the promo code Five RSN? We're being told that some of you are not using the promo code 5RSN, and that, you know, that pains me. So use the promo code 5RSN. Get 20% off your entire order at Manscaped. How are you guys? Like, why, wouldn't we use, why wouldn't we use the promo code? I don't understand. It's, um, like, it's like if you went into a shop and somebody said, oh, you're buying a Christmas present for your wife. It's $200. I tell you what, take this token. It's only 140 How many people would go, oh, no, don't worry about it, mate. I'd rather pay the 200 yeah, it seems that we I've been told that people are clicking on our link mm-hmm. to go into Manscaped to order stuff and then are using somebody else's promo code. <laughs> oh, man. And uh, somebody else's promo code is the same as ours. You know, you get 20% off. But use ours. We get credit if you use ours. We do not get credit if you click on our link and you use somebody else's. Okay? It's, it's like... Uh, you know, that just doesn't make sense. Use that's, our promo code. That's like cheating on us with, with someone else's ball pretty, uh, pretty shaving much. Uh, devices. Yeah, pretty much. Exactly. All right. What a game yesterday. I'm going to, uh, and I'm going to, I hate to do this, but I'm going to start somewhere negative. Okay. 
Uh, that fourth and one call, I, I I've been thinking about this for for a day already. I can't think of. I prefer dumber. not to think about it. <laughs> I've been thinking. No, I've been thinking about it for an entire day because it's inexcusable. Okay, uh, that fourth and one call was maybe the worst moment this coaching staff has had since it got here in 2019. It's fourth no, and no, no. not true. You just you don't think it's the worst. Back the back to back. The back-to-back uh, challenges against Jacksonville were comfortably the worst moment. You sure about that? Because we're talking about a fourth and a foot. A and fake punt. Or, a, you know. okay. Is that is that, is that the issue you have? It is is that is that it was a fake punt call, or what? Do you, is the issue that the ball just completely donked off Clayton Fajetalem's face? Because he had no that's idea. Not, he had no idea. All of it. it was that's not on coach. How is that on the coaches though? The coaches didn't snap the ball into his face. No, they called <laughs> they called a fake punt when you have uh you have evidently Walter Payton r- running in your backfield. You have Tua sure, who ran who ran a guy over who could surely pick up a foot on a sneak. Brissett can pick up a foot on a sneak. You have so many options. You even have that 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 cute little Smythe. Sneak yeah, play why didn't they, they do that? I want to see them do that again. You're trying to pick up one foot that is 12 inches, okay? And you call a fake punt. Why? It's still it's still not worse than the Jaguars thing. That actually cost us a game. Okay, but what about what about in totality? Like forgetting the coaching aspect of it, just just the totality of that play. Was that the worst of this year? Because I think it might be. I mean, you got you got a, a long snapper that just goes goes like. And by the way, the, this this often ends up an on field on field call like that the um, that the long snapper can make uh, you know based on how how they're lining up, especially if it's like a short yardage or, or something something like that. Like there's the special teams usually install like an optionality, I think, um, to that sort of fake punt. And so, so somebody made the call. And Clayton Fajetalem didn't get it. And Long Snapper really, I mean, he fired that thing in there. It's not like <laughs> like like it's not like he, he gave it made it easy for him. He fired that. I'm surprised it didn't get stuck in Clayton Fajetalem's face mask. Like <laughs> it just donks off him. It was just like the worst play I've seen this year. I think that maybe of any team. I don't know. It was really, really embarrassing. Yeah. You know that scene in Mrs. Doubtfire where uh, Robin Williams throws the can and it hits Piers, Piers um, Brosnan in the back of the head when they're all at the, uh, the country club? and He throws the orange, I mean, and, and Piers yeah. Brosnan's at the bar and he's walking away with the drinks and, and Mrs. Doubtfire picks up the lime and throws it like Dan Marino off the back of Piers, Piers Brosnan's head. That's how fast the ball came back into Fajedlam's face. The, the issue I have with it is that somebody didn't, back out of that call because they were clearly looking for it the the jets they're all up on the line of scrimmage so i'm not even sure it would worked even if he hadn't fired the ball into his face like a heat-seeking missile um yeah i mean i i sort of think i i don't think it was a great moment but i don't think it was the worst thing the coaching staff have done uh i thought it was, i thought it was pretty bad and uh getting back to let, let's talk the let's talk a little bit about the game and let's start with the with the quarterback i don't think this was this was Tua's finest effort but i think it says something that i didn't think he played well 
and he still had some pretty big throws and he threw the game winner. Like, you know, oh. you can't, you can't gloss over that fact. It but, only says something if this is as bad as it gets. <laughs> oh yeah. Of course. If, of course. If it gets worse, then, then we would look at this game a little. Well, bit the sample is now what 21 games that he started. Is, is that it? Is that right? No, it's not. It's uh, 19 games. Okay. So, you know, of the 19 games is his, is this his worst? In my opinion, he was kind of incompetent against the Broncos last year. And I don't even count that Buffalo game. That Buffalo game was just a complete straight up implosion by the entire team. Which one? Oh, wait, the 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 late season one. Uh Yeah, the late season one last year. So was this his worst game? Your thoughts on on his game? And I'll start, I guess, with with Simon here. Your thoughts on on Tua's performance yesterday? I I thought it was his worst game because I think you take into consideration the, the Broncos game in terms of the the early portion of his, of his career. I thought he was awful yesterday for long stretches. I just I just didn't understand the throws he was making. What concerns me, and, uh, and some of the narrative has been around um, his inability to go to second and third reads, which actually I think has been slightly overblown at times. But there were times yesterday where it was just like, it, it, he, he panicked, he got panicked feet if his first read hadn't gone, uh, wasn't there. There were times where he had, there was a third down, where he had a three by one, a three by one format, so three to the top of the, to the right of him, top formation, formation. Devonte Parker single coverage with Brandon Eccles down to the bottom of the uh, of the formation, and he threw to Parker. It would have been short the first down. It was like a third and four, but that was his first read. That was his only read. He had time in the pocket. It, it was clear that a he wasn't going to get the first down, and b that Brandon Eccles was absolutely glove like in coverage. That Parker had no separation, but he just threw it anyway. And I just thought, like, just back out of that. You've got the time. Maybe it's because he's nervous that he always gets hit and he has release, you know, short release time. But actually, and, and to give them credit, the offensive line has, has slowly made some incremental improvements over the last few weeks that I'm sure we'll get to. But he had he had switch releases on the other side. Mike Gesicki was was running open. And I just thought, what you know, why are you so attracted to your first read all the time? That The first couple of throws... So they have this, they've been using this really clever, quick RPO play where he RPOs to the back and then he has two receivers to one side and he has essentially a choice to throw. And the look, he looks with his eyes to the outside receiver and then always throws it to the inside receiver. And so corners jump the outside route and it leaves the inside receiver open. It's a really quick, easy 8, 10, 12 pickup yard play except that they tried to run it early and Robert Saller has clearly seen it on film and the guy who was covering the the second, the inside receiver, was just sat on the route and Tua didn't know where to throw it. He didn't have a clue and it was just like, oh my God, you know, my first read, which I'm not going to throw to anyway, is covered because that's the one I'm staring down. But actually what I do is I throw it inside, but my, my inside throw is now covered. I don't know what to do here. That's a concern for me after 19, 20 games that... You know, he's not backing out of throws that he shouldn't throw and going to secondary and third reads. Yeah, um, I, I, I tend to agree. I called him a, a gunslinger a few games back, and some people were like, oh, no, he's kind of conservative. And I'm like, every once in a while, he has those gunslinger tendencies where he's like, ah, I'm going here, and this is where I'm going. And it's sure the times with the accuracy. 
the accuracy yesterday I thought was inconsistent. There were times he, you know, there's a tendency in that intermediate area to either throw behind or too high. Um, and that's been a consistent since he's been with us. And I think that needs to be improved on. You know, he made a couple of really nice throws. There's an absolute thread the needle throw that I thought had been picked off that he completed. In fact, the, his two best throws of the day were to Isaiah Ford. There was mm. one, the deep ball over the shoulder on third down, which was dropped in beautifully. And then there was that thread the needle throw. But but I, you, you go back and you look at, so there was a throw last night in the Baltimore game that Aaron Rodgers made where he essentially threaded the needle to Valdez Scandling over. We've probably all seen it and I'll put it up in the, in the, on social media and I'll stick it in the only fins group, but you just think that's the sort of throw I, I want to see. I want to see to a make. It's a throw where the receiver is covered when it's, re- when it's released and there are multiple defenders, albeit ones with their backs to the ball when the ball's thrown. And it's a, it's just an elite level throw that you can like Dan Olofsky talked today about a throw that Matthew Stafford made to Odell Beckham in the game against Arizona last Thursday night, was it? Um, and it was exactly the same throw. And there's only a handful of quarterbacks in the league that can make it. I want to see that level of throw from Tua. I just thought the, incon- I don't know what you think, Chris, but just the, 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 the inconsistency early on, Chris and I were talking about it on, on, in the only friends chat yesterday, there were just some throws where I was just, I don't know where, like the, the, the early pick, like he had Parker wide okay. open, he overthrew it. Yeah. It was just like, where are you throwing it? Where are you throwing it? And, and he gets really, it, he just gets a bit, I mean, he calmed down certainly. And, you know, I like the fact that after the pick six, which was a really bad throw, uh, he, he came, he, you know, he bounced back and led the, yeah, he only threw the, threw the ball twice on that drive. Um, but, you know, he still bounced back, had the fortitude to, to bounce back through the, the what turned out to be the game winner. And that's great. You know, you want to see that bounce back. But don't put yourself in a situation where you have to bounce back, you know, with, you know, don't continue to make mistake after mistake. And, you know, you watch that. I mean, I've watched the Saints a few times this season. That defense is really good. It's really good up front. It's really good at the second level. They've got really good corners, you know, and they will, you know, they will pose a threat with pressure and they will pose a threat in coverage because they've got good cover guys, you know, Marcus Williams, Lattimore, Gardner Johnson's a good player, you know, so it'll be very interesting to see how he bounces back because he's going to need to be as bad as he was or as, you know, mediocre as he was yesterday. He's going to need to be the absolute best tour that we can we can possibly see next Monday to, to win that game. And, you know, you kind of thought, this was another moment where you just take another step forward. You know, you've had six, you've put six or seven really nice games together. Let's keep that part. And now all of a sudden you like, you almost come out of the game. I almost came out of the game yesterday with more questions than I went in with, which was not really a situation I wanted to be in, given that it's the 32nd ranked defense in the league. And, you know, you kind of expected him just to sling it around and be accurate and be precise. And, you know, Robert Sala is a good coordinator and he did some things, took some things away that to a like some staple throws and it felt to me like he didn't have answers to to what you know Salah had done. And you're going up against Dennis Allen and really good DC next week. They're going to do exactly the same. So how does he answer that this week? Yeah, and 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 I'll tell you, and I'll tell you one thing before we get to to Chris here, who who I'm sure has a lot to say. There was one play in particular in the third quarter where they're driving, they're around the 32 yard line, and the Jets, I think, I think they just flat out screwed up in alignment. And they brought the wrong safety, I thought, off the hash down to the box. And then Tua starts lining people up while Parker is screaming at him, I'm all alone here, one-on-one, with no safety behind. 
And you see he's raising his hands. And Tua sees him, and Tua's still more concerned with lining everybody else up, and we ended up getting a delay of game penalty. When Tua has to recognize, like, you waited all game to get this situation. You have Parker one-on-one with a guy with nobody behind him. And you're in you're near the red zone because I believe they were at the 31 yard line. Okay. Instead, you were you were preoccupied with lining everybody else up. And you know, you didn't take advantage of this gift that the Jets gave you, and you ended up getting a five yard penalty. You know, I thought that was another poor moment by two. What say you, Chris? Yeah, I think his most consistent issues of the year are uh, have been have been exactly this. Um, have been uh, he has issues. He has issues. You know, uh, reconciling the defense as it is versus how he expects it to be, and um, and I think that uh, that's that's not a that's not a unique problem. That's um, basically every quarterback out there faces that problem all the time. Uh, but young guys in particular are are, um, are are more susceptible to to bad plays because of it, and he's playing like that. And I think that. Um, I came away from this game. Is it his worst game that he's played as a Dolphin? I'm not sure that it's his worst, but I mean, because because Simon mentioned, you know, like the Broncos game, for example. Yeah, he was he was a lot younger, right? He was a lot less experienced. So so maybe you you kind of um, you kind of excuse that a little. But um, it was a bit like the Broncos game. And, uh, and so if, if we're talking, you know, relative to his experience level, maybe you would say that this was the worst game uh, at the same time, if this is the worst that he done, because let's be honest, he made some, he made some, some really good throws in that game. He threw two touchdowns uh, and, and he scored two touchdowns, two lead changers in the fourth quarter uh, that he put in the ends up. Right. And, and uh, and they won the game with 31 points on the board offensively. I mean, that's if that's the worst. If that's the worst it gets for him, then he's a franchise quarterback, and this debate is over. Okay, um, and and that's that's one point that I would take away from that. But um, but we don't know that this is the worst that it gets. Like there could be there could be worse than this floating around out there from him. Uh, we just we still have to see. Um, but I think that a consider that. This is the second time that Robert Saleh uh, saw Tua Tungavailoa. They played, and and not just and not just the coaching staff. I I think importantly, it's also the second the second time that the players on the Jets defense played against Tua Tungavailoa, and I think that ended up coming into play. And it's it's interesting because it's going to happen again when the Patriots come to Miami for the last game of the year, right? So they've they've seen Tua before as well. So, um, so this is relevant, but, um, but this is the second time that they saw them, um, that they saw Tua and it was clear that they adjusted based on the first, uh, the first time that they faced him and took away some of his usual answers. I mean, everybody says, oh, you just take away his first read, just take away his first read. Well, yeah, but what you got to be able to know what that first read is going to be. It's not that easy. Um, they got, they had a real beat on on what what he was going what he would want to do and uh and what the dolphins wanted to do and it was clear in the initial stages of that game that they were they were all kinds of um discombobulated about it because uh because the the jets were uh were taking away some things uh the second thing is that 
Jalen Waddle was not playing in the game. And I think that that clearly affected him. And again, this is relevant for the future. <laughs> we want Jalen Waddle to be out there then um, if, uh, if, if that's going to affect the quarterback's play. Uh, and I think it was clear that maybe some of his answers were a little bit different or maybe he was a little bit more stuck than usual because he was less comfortable, didn't have Jalen Waddle out there. And then the third thing that was happening out there, and I thought that this was clear in the early stages as well, is there was, there was clear bye week rust going on um with these guys uh and this is something that i i saw brian flores talking about during the bye week he's really worried that getting out of routine you know that there were obviously they were in a five game win streak they were in a they were in a good rhythm and a good routine he was afraid that getting out of routine would um would disrupt them and i think that when you're afraid of something like that uh it kind of has a way of coming about and so uh the whole team and it wasn't just to but but especially to when you see him like on that interception like where where was that throw going like what this is accuracy is not his problem right mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean this is a guy completing 80 percent of his passes I and mean, he's got keyhole accuracy most of the yeah, time he's the nfl I mean, yeah <laughs> and 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 i understand that like yeah there's definitely throws out there this should have been better this could have you know and, and so on and so forth but at the same time like 100 percent is not our standard um accuracy is not really this guy's problem usually but so when you start to see like throws that are like where was that going why was that so far behind why you know and it was consistent in this game like there's behind throws and and stuff like that that's that has to be rust to me um that has to be rust especially at the beginning beginning of the game so i think those three things you know sully and the jets defensive defensive players having seen him already Jalen Waddle being out of the game. That's his, that's, I mean, he's the guy that's on pace for over a hundred catches. I mean, he's clearly his favorite target. Um, and then, and then you have the, um, the, the fact that uh, they're coming off the bye week and there's, there's a clear bit of rest. And I, I think that that's really, that's really it. That's probably it. That's probably what, what we were seeing from Tua out there. Um, but all in all scored 31 points in the game. I mean, <laughs> you know, some credit for that. Absolutely. And now we're going to get to the, the good stuff. People were asking me yesterday, uh, where's this Duke Johnson been in his whole NFL career? Where, if you look at his NFL career, the most carries he ever had was 16 coming into yesterday's game. And he's only had 10 or more carries seven times before Sunday. This is the Duke Johnson that ran at the University of Miami since he's been at the in the NFL level. He's been pigeonholed as his pass catcher, third down back, and he's been effective in, in a couple of spots. I was utterly surprised that we ended up getting University of Miami Duke Johnson, but it's a pleasant surprise. He's been he's been signed to the active roster. Uh, your thoughts on his performance, Simon, and going forward, is this does he challenge for RB2 next year? Um I mean, I thought he played great. He, I mean, I tweeted at one point that he looked more like Chris Johnson than Duke Johnson. I suppose we have to work out whether or not it's an anomalous performance. And, you know, only time will tell that he backs that up. But, you know, he looked fantastic the way he was cutting and, you know, keeping plays alive. And it's just the, his hip movement and his shoulders and his contact balance and those sorts of things. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's interesting that teams have been 
you know, he's been bouncing around teams for a number of years and hasn't really stuck in, you know, the last couple of seasons and uh, whether or not it's just coming home and playing for, for the team that he loves in the stadium that he, that he played his college football at remains to be seen. But um, yeah, I mean, you can't ask for more than what he put on film yesterday and now he needs to take it to New Orleans and, um, and prove that it just wasn't one of those kind of one-offs that we sometimes see in the league. And hopefully it wasn't. And, you know, would be great moving forwards if he was a, a really nice complimentary back to to somebody that we brought in in the draft and you know if he can put the next four games you know can continue that performance in the next four games then we might not even need to draft a back as highly as we maybe think we do so it was a great performance I thought he played really well he was the difference in the game for me certainly and um now follow it up next week Chris I it was it was hard to believe what I was seeing out there because um, this wasn't just like a stat gathering performance. This wasn't just you know this was this was real. This was real uh, high level. You almost want to say elite level performance from a running back, which we just haven't seen um, in in Miami in, in quite some time. And uh, it was. It was phenomenal. I mean, he broke five. He broke like uh, PFF had like eight missed tackles that he forced in the game. I mean, on twenty six carries. I mean, it was just, it was it was phenomenal. It's just uh, an overall, and it it just kept getting better. That was the thing that that really got me as it uh, as as the game was going on. Is you know the, the the old cliche, and sometimes I feel it's not really true. You know, the oh, this running back only just gets stronger as the game goes on, and well, well, he was he was getting stronger as the game r- runs on, and so Miami's got a great opportunity to just see how deep this rabbit hole goes, and we're all just hoping that they're not going to screw it up by like, oh no, now he's benched next week, and Miles Gaskin is the guy, you know, and, and I. I know that I get called out for being the Miles Gaskin hater, but I thought that dude, Johnson showed he showed us what we've been missing. You know why Miles Gaskin is so painfully average that he, you know, four out of five times or or whatever, like Miles Gaskin is going to get just the absolute bare minimum of what was given to him by the blocking and and by the um and by the defense and yeah like Leroy and, Horde like Leroy Horde's famous uh his his saying where he says that that when he came out of Michigan he told his uh he told Belichick one time because Belichick asked him why do you why do you always mix miss this cut when we call this play and he told Belichick if you need a yard I'll get you three if you need two yards I'll get you three if you need five yards I'll get you three <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, Miles Gaskin, I mean, he will run in, he will run into the backs of his blockers. Um, there can be space. I've actually, you know, we've seen some run blocking from this as beleaguered as this offensive line unit is. Um, we've seen some run blocking from them this year that was passable at times. Like that's, that's actually some of the strengths of some of the guys that you're seeing out there, Robert Hunt and, and, and Austin Jackson. I mean, he's a very mobile He's a very mobile, uh, agile uh, guard, and and so and now he with can a do with a things. new and improved mean streak, <laughs> evidently. Yeah, well, right, and and so there's there's been some run blocking at times, and I just feel like I just feel like it ends up wasted with Savan Ahmed and and Miles um, Gaskin and Patrick Laird and you know the and Mal- and even Malcolm Brown and you know the crap that we're putting out there, and I thought that Duke Johnson showed, yeah. Yeah, it was wasted, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> here this guy comes in and he shows he shows us exactly what we've been missing. 
And, um, and it's just, you know, painful, the, the missed opportunities that we've had by having such bad backs in the backfield. And I think that, um, I think that now we're seeing a guy play much better than that. And I'm, I'm really interested in seeing how the rest of the season goes for him because, that's a that's a huge that's a potentially huge development. This is an offense that has been trying to run, even though they're missing the foundational layer of what it's built on. You know, the foundational layer of an RPO offense is the run. It is an RPO. You know, it, it you have to be able to you have to be able to run the ball and and be effective that way and um and get the defense thinking about it. And we've not ever been able to do that. And I think that uh, it's, it's actually very ironic that Tua had sort of his worst game uh, while, while this was happening with Duke Johnson. But go, I don't think that's going to be the case going forward if Duke Johnson continues to provide what, he, what he's provided. And so I get really excited about what I saw out there out of Duke. And, um, and I, I won't, I'm not going to assume that he's just a, a, an RB2. I mean – yeah, he's he's been in the league for a little bit now. Um, this is his uh, seventh year, uh, but I, I'm I'm making no assumptions. He's here for the rest of the year at the you know at the very least. So I'm on the see. active roster. Uh, on yeah, the active. On, he is today. He just been signed on to the active roster, so he's here for the rest of the year at the very least. We've got three more games. Uh, every game right now is a playoff game for, for the dolphins. Uh, and if they win all three of the the next three games, then they might get a bonus game. They might get a playoff, an actual playoff game. We got some, some games to go to see, to see how far this goes with him. And I'm, I'm really excited about it. I think that, um, yeah, this is, this is what we've been missing. This is what we've been, uh, what we've been waiting for. And it's, uh, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty nice to see. I think it's pretty instructive that uh, you, you can't forget Philip Lindsay got off a plane on Thursday, had a walkthrough with the team, suited up on Sunday and ran for 42 yards on 12 carries, which is not great, but he, he had his moments against the Carolina Panthers. Well, he so, also looked like the best back in that game. I thought exactly. Uh, I, I'm, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to bury miles Gaskin and Savannah Ahmed, but and Malcolm, they're Brown. not it. <laughs> It's kind of obvious that at this point, right, that they're not it, right? Uh, I don't know. Uh, let's move on to the, the, the defense as we wrap up uh, this recap of week 15. So, Simon, what did you make, first of all, because that was a bunch of gimmicks that the, the Jets were rolling out there in the first half. I thought that was brilliant, by the way. The pass to Crowder, and Crowder throws it almost 15 yards back to Berrios. And you can see our defense like looking at them, like what in the hell is going on here? Yeah, was, in the, in it the, reminds, sorry, go on. Yeah, in the second half, thirty-five yards. That's it. No points. Tua doesn't throw that pick six. They win going away after sleepwalking for most of the first half. Your thoughts on the defense, and I guess the Jets going forward overall. Is it as hopeless as it looks at times, or do you think that this is a worthy opponent very, very, very soon? Um, I mean, to answer the first question, it reminded me of the first year of Brian Flores and the Dolphins were just trying to do anything to pick up first downs, pick up wins. You know, the kind of the funky plays that we talked about earlier in the season that we seem to kind of have gone away from. I thought it was great play calling, great coaching. Um, I think there's clearly something there with Zach Wilson. Um, but, um, 
you know, he needs a lot of work. He needs refinement. He needs players around him. It doesn't help that Elijah Moore's injured. It doesn't help that Denzel Mims has kind of gone off the boil. And that means that, you know, the knock-on effect is that, you know, guys like Jamison Crowder have to step up and essentially be a number one receiver, which is he's not. You know, he's a really good number three, a really good slot. You know, they need a big tight end. They need better offensive line play. They, you know, George Fant's a good left, left tackle. Obviously, they're waiting for um, Makai Becton to come back and not sure what his future is. Um, uh, Robert Salah's a good, you know, is a good coach, good defensive coach. Um, and, you know, again, you look at them up front, they're not bad. You look at them as secondary, they're fairly abject. But, you know, he's getting decent performances out of, you know, a not particularly decent group. Marcus May, their best safety, or probably their best defensive back, is not, you know, it's not playing. Um, so I think, you know, they, they, I wouldn't be surprised if they, they become a bit of a force or certainly significantly better over the next few years. But like all teams that are in the basement, like we've been trying to do for the last 20 years, you've got to find the right players. And if you can't find the right players, then, you know, they're going to be a team that's looking for a new GM, looking for a new coach and probably looking for a new quarterback. So there's a couple of big drafts coming up for them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, generally, I don't really care about the Jets, but and I wasn't surprised that we played down to their level yesterday. Uh, there's some decent players on that roster, but they, you know, they need now to find uh they need to find a Javon Holland, a Jalen Phillips, and a Jalen Waddle um to help really kick that 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 team along. Yeah, speaking speaking of Phillips, like yesterday he induced two holding penalties. There should be a stat about that. Okay. There should be. There should be. Okay. If you if you come around the edge and they just can't block you and they have to just grab you and throw you to the ground, like that should be a, a stat that you could put on your line and say, look, I did that. I caused two holding penalties because like I've said before, and nobody has ever compiled this, the day it gets compiled, I will love it. All right. And I will pimp it to, to, to your heart's content. All right. I want a stat that tells me the success rate of drives that have a holding penalty in them, because I suspect that the success rate is minuscule. I love to see that compile it from like, let's say from 1991 on since they changed the, the rule to 10 yards for a holding penalty. I love to see that. But same question, Chris, as we close it out here. Well, I think that uh, the defense, it shows that the last time we played the Jets, unlike the Jets, you know, I said that they played to a tongue of Ilo before. And the players, I think, you know, as much as the coaches, it's, it's really important that the players also were on the field and get a feel for these, um, for the guys that they've, uh, that they've faced before. Um, our players had no feel for Zach Wilson and it showed. You know, uh, our players played Joe Flacco last time, and he does very different things from Zach Wilson. And and actually, if you look at that game, the previous Jets game, um, you know, Joe Flacco did some things against them kind of early in the game that uh, that that were like, you know, that we had the zero blitzes, and and at least one time he had the perfect answer for it, and it went for a really long touchdown. Um, and you actually see that my perception anyway, is that you actually see that with this defense, even on this, this really strong run that they're having, like kind of early in the game, um, they'll have like a completely blown run fit and a really long, you know, really long run play that goes against them or, you know, things like that. And then they kind of settle in and uh, that's exactly what happened in this Jets game. They, um, they, you know, they hadn't played Zach Wilson before, uh, the Jets were having some success early and uh and then uh and then the defense settled in and climbed down and gave nothing up for the rest of the game um so i think the defense you know no the clock has not struck 12 on cinderella yet 
uh, with respect to this defense, uh, the the way that they're, I thought that that was something that really happened last year. They were on a, they were on an incredible run. Um, the defense they were, where you legitimately could have called them the best defense in the NFL. Um, and then it seemed like, um, you know, toward the end clock struck 12 on them and, and suddenly they just, they just were not the same defense anymore. Um, you know, going down the stretch. And, um, and I think that, uh, I mean, if you look at, yeah, you look at the Raiders and the success they were having, the, certainly that Buffalo game at the end. Um, but anyway, I, I think it's not over yet uh, for this defense uh, based on how they performed yesterday. Um, and so I'm encouraged about that going forward. The Jets, you know, as, as Simon said, I, I couldn't really care less about them. Um, I, my, sense is, my sense is that they, they don't have answers yet um, in place. I think that as a, as an offense and, you know, as in terms of their identity and, and, and what they're going to be primarily at the quarterback position, I think Zach Wilson can do some things. He is a talented player, but he's certainly, he's certainly getting used to the speed of the NFL and how things are coming at him, which was always going to be a thing because he had, he, he had it so good at BYU. I always thought that. Um, and, and so I think that, uh, they don't have their answers yet. I do like a couple of players, obviously Michael Carter is a guy that I keep talking about and uh, you know, except for his pass protection, uh, which can be really shaky at times. And we exploited yesterday, but, um, but as a runner, he's very talented. Again, you know, it's Duke Johnson, like, and like you're seeing a guy that's making plays that aren't necessarily given to him and doing it consistently. You know, that's, that's what we've been missing. And, um, and I wish that we've had this entire time. So they have that there with Michael Carter, but they clearly need a lot more. Um, and maybe, maybe, well, we'll see, we'll see how Zach Wilson's development go, goes. I'm not, I'm not calling victory on him um, as a draft pick yet, certainly. Um, but the defensive performance, you know, it's, Again, the early, the early bit, you know, there's, they, they probably had some bye week, bye week rust as well. You know, uh, the Jets had some early success on them. And I, I just attribute that to trying to get a feel for a new quarterback with new abilities. I mean, they, he scrambled out of their, out of their grips a couple of times because he can do that. Uh, and Joe Flacco certainly can't. Um, and so uh, I think that, um, yeah, I think that the, it, it went, it went very predictably, I would say. Mm. uh overall yep uh i tend to agree yeah that 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 tool pick six kind of changed the entire perception of what we got from for that right. game i yeah. mean it's a 17 Not, point game from them uh yeah. from them offensively yeah it, it was it was essentially you know uh, the game was not competitive in the second half when you can only muster 35 yards and four first downs in an entire half so and score zero points offensively all right that's it there is no more. The next time we talk to you, we'll be probably, let's call it Wednesday, maybe, maybe Thursday. Who knows? But we will be talking Dolphins, Saints on Monday Night Football. That's a big one. See you then. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. 